Hi everyone, welcome to Next Step Podcast, um, or Next Step's the podcast, I'm going to be actually accurate. It's nice to have you here. This is the Tuesday podcast where we talk about the sermon from last week. Uh, we get the speaker to turn up and tell us more, um, uh, elaborate more, or yep, try and emphasise on our Tuesdays. We're recording this on a Monday afternoon, so it's not it's almost live, so, yeah, but we'd love to have your comments. Um, as we start, we acknowledge and pay our respects to our first Tasmanian peoples as traditional owners and custodians of the land we walk on. And we also pay respect to elders past, present and emerging and for their care for country, land and seas over the past thousands of generations. Uh, so with me here, I've got um, Pastor Matt. So uh, Matt Garvin, who, who gave the sermon this week, we've been teaching through um, the book of Matthew. Is there any reason why... No, anyway, your name in the book of Matthew, you didn't write it. Um, so <laughs> it's good. And, and then um, James Davis, we've got um, in the red corner. So so good, good to have you with us. You were with us about six weeks ago. Um, and yes, we are still doing that. So we're not long to get over it. Yeah, yeah, I understand. I think we've been looking at Matthew for, is this the third year, second year, on and off? Uh, this is the second year. The first year we did, we actually, well, technically it's the third year. We, in the lead up to Christmas in 2019, we did the first couple of chapters, the Christmas story, yeah. and then uh, may, maybe, oh, maybe it's 2018. Anyway, in 2019, we did um, the Sermon on the Mount. And then in 2020, we did James. Uh, and last year we did Corinthians, so we're back yeah. to Matthew. So and, and we're in and out of Matthew. Yeah. So, so yeah. I wanted to ask, what are, what are you guys getting out of the book of Matthew? If we're if we're going to invest this much time into studying a book, what are you getting out of it? Well, certainly for me, uh, I keep coming back to Matthew for a few reasons. One is. It's so well crafted, and it's it was the the gospel that for the first fifteen hundred years the church saw as the preeminent gospel. Um, it was the the number. That's why it's first in the book. It was the one that the early church really saw as the most important one, uh, and and it is. And we as a church we talk about we want to follow Jesus. Uh, if we're fair dinkum about that, probably good to learn about him and listen to him. Uh, mm. And so so just coming back to the Gospels on a regular basis and and um, and it kind of felt like we were closing a bit of a, a loop by coming back to this time because Matthew teaches, Matthew has five blocks of Jesus teaching of which the Sermon on the Mount is just the first one. Mm. Uh, and and so there's, there's four other blocks of teaching that we're coming back to and and I, yeah, just saying, I, like I, I found it uh, challenging and, and useful just to come back and, and rather than do topical preaching, just engage with the topics that Jesus wanted to put on the table in the order he wanted to put them on. And uh, it means you end up talking about stuff you might not otherwise end up talking about, which mm. I'm finding helpful. Yeah. And it, it really feels like Matthew um, has curated the the topics and bits that he really wanted to get across. And I, I can imagine Matthew teaching for like 40 years after Jesus has gone and just continually talking about the Messiah who has come and saved them. And, and then finally he says, right, what are all the important bits? And I'm going to actually write this out. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. 
and he did a beautiful job. Uh, we, when we started the Matthew this year, we actually looked at a video of the Bible Project um, introduction to Matthew, which was really helpful. So if you haven't seen that, feel free to pause, go and have a look, and then come back because that was really fantastic in framing the book of Matthew. So I yeah. encourage you to have a look at that. James, how about you for um, the book of Matthew? Uh, the book of Matthew for me has always been the one that establishes Christ's credentials when it goes mm. through the genealogy. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, the, the first couple of times I read that, I thought, you know, make an end to it. But you mm. realise that it's that it's setting him up through his ancestry. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so he has the authority, not only heavenly authority, but earthly authority to speak. Yeah. And so that that twofold thing. And we'll yeah. see it in today's sermon as well that it, Matthew also shows how J- Jesus the Messiah um, was spoken about by the prophets and how that those are fulfilled. Yeah, yeah. It's another, another way of confirming that he's the Son of God. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So this week. Matt, one picture you showed us right at the start was this one. I'll chuck it up on the screen. We can sort of peer around it, I think. Um, so just for a minute, for those who aren't watching, Matt's ducking and weaving, trying to be seen, uh, which is always fun to watch. Uh, this diagram here, um, Matt, can you just walk us through what this is about? Yeah, well, the whole point of what Jesus is doing here in Matthew 23 is confronting the Pharisees for the fact that they are so much about the externals, they're not facing the truth of what's going on inside. And one of the things we have to watch is I think we've watered down the gospel. I was actually talking to a a senior Anglican minister uh, this past week about this. And we've made made it all about getting to heaven when you die. But really the the, the truth is, that's what we're talking about on Sunday, that uh, we... We begin this journey uh, when you, when you, as you step over a line, invite Jesus into your life. You actually begin a journey of Him confronting your beliefs, and that's what this tree is about. Um, that at the, at, as you look at the tree and the, um, that there is a set of beliefs we all have, and some of our beliefs are right and some of them are wrong, uh, and it's our beliefs that produce our values what you think is best and your your values produce your actions and your actions produce the results in your life. Mm-hmm. And so I and part of the reason I was keen to get this up because I think this presents the the actual dilemma of discipleship, of following Jesus. I think we have too many people who think they can be Christians without ever examining their belief system. And what Jesus is doing here with the Pharisees is saying your belief system is all up the putt. Uh, get get your belief system sorted, and the actions take care of itself. Is, is when he talks about teacups, that's what he says. Uh, and and I think what he's doing is using the Pharisees to teach his disciples and saying, "This is what we don't want. This is not the kind of religion we're after. We're not mm-hmm. after people who have all the right ideas. We're, we're looking for people who are shaped." By their belief in who I am, and and whose lives reflect it, whose whose lives bear fruit, mm-hmm. uh, and so that's I I feel like this is one of the most important discussions of this moment because I I I don't think 
in our modern society, we have a framework to to question our own beliefs. In fact, what we the, the, the message we get is live from your own beliefs, trust them, and if you do anything that's counter to your own beliefs, you're, there's something deeply wrong with you. Uh, but the biblical framework is, you, nah, don't trust your own beliefs too much because there's part of you that is what the Bible calls the flesh. Uh, mm-hmm. There's also incredible limitations because you're a human being and you can't fit the universe in your head and and people think differently to you. And and, and so there's this, this assumption that you're, you are extremely limited and if you're going to trust your own beliefs too much, you're going to be in trouble. And that, so that's what that tree represents. And I think it raises the dilemma that Jesus is trying to raise here with the Pharisees. So, so for those who are um, listening to this rather than seeing it, uh, we've, we've got a tree whose the roots of the tree are the beliefs, what we believe is true. And then we've got the trunk, which is the values of what I think is best. So what I think is best comes from what you believe is true. Uh, and then the branches are the actions and what I do, so my behavior. And then the result is what others see, the result of my behavior, which is the fruit, uh, say, in this illustration. Yeah, have a look on YouTube if you need to see that. It's hard to explain. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And I think before we go much further, it'd be actually nice to read the passage. Um, so I've, I've got that here if you'll allow me to go for it. Go so for this it. is Matthew chapter 23. Um, is this where a storm in a teacup comes from? Anyway, let's read it and then we'll just work that out. So Matthew 23, verse 23. Um, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. Um, no, I'm in the wrong verse. Verse... Oh, we, we, did, we, we did use that we did use that verse though as a way to start so it's not a bad way to yeah. start okay okay woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees you hypocrites you give a tenth of your spices your mint dill and cumin um, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law the justice mercy and faithfulness you should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former you blind guides you strain out a gnat but you swallow a camel yeah, so we talked about that a bit last week, um, if you want. Verse 25, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outsides of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, your appearance to people as right, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You build tombs for the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. And you say, if we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. So you testify against yourselves that you are the descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Go ahead then and complete what your ancestors started. Hmm. Yeah. You sn- we'll go on. I think we, where did we finish, Matt? I can't remember. At the end of the chapter. You snakes, you brood of vipers, verse 33. How will you escape being condemned to hell? Therefore I am sending you prophets and, sage, and sages and teachers. Some of them will, you will kill and crucify. Others you will flog in your synagogues and pursue from town to town. And so upon you will come all the righteous blood that has been shed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Truly, I tell you, 
all this will come on this generation. Ah, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who have you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Look, you house, look, um, look your house is de- left to you desolate, for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hmm. So it's a good long chunk of mm-hmm. scripture and a uh, little, little bit confronting, little, little bit. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's not a it's sort of not a really peaceful, you know. Encouraging. Yeah, yeah. It's not that. It's not. It's not. Not a lot of verses you give to people on a greeting card. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. You brood of vipers. Yeah. <laughs> you, wear the, you wear the hypocrisy well. Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> okay. All right. Yep. So. Where do we start here, Matt? Well, Teacup, dirty on the outside. Click. Um, what's what's Jesus talking about? Yeah, well, I, it, this is kind of the core of what his his main argument with is with the Pharisees, and I think I, I think knowing human nature and preparing his followers for what comes next, knowing how easy it is and how much much easier is just to put on an act to play the religious game rather than sit under the, the really, you know, remarkably radical teaching he laid out from the Sermon on the Mount right the way through mm. uh, and to have your own values challenged. Uh, and for each of us, how it is, it's much more comfortable to hold on and live from your own wrong beliefs than to have those beliefs challenged. And we're, we're all limited by our own wrong beliefs, some of which we even know about, many of which we don't. Yeah. Um, and, and that's where we we got people to say, okay, well, let's let's talk about some of the wrong beliefs that you you at least know about. Mm. And uh, I was really encouraged that all level people engage with that question and the and and the the responses we got from people to that mm. specific question about the the wrong beliefs they know about. Yeah, James, I wonder if you would read through a few of these. I'll pop them up on the screen. Um, the question was, um, what are the wrong beliefs that get in the road for you? God won't come through. Things will make you happy. Judgment from others, not doing enough. I just mess things up. Alcohol doesn't affect me. I have all the answers. I'll never measure up not good at things, and I'll jump down to the ones that are a bit larger. Mm. Um, I'm always right. Me first. I have something to prove. Self-worth, self-importance. I know best. Mm. Self-interest. And there's quite a lot in there. I'm not good enough. Mm. Yeah. And these comments go both ways. Some of them are real put put downs, like I just believe that I'm unlikable, or that, that I'm full. Uh, I am full of self doubt and things. I'm not good enough. So you've got these negative um, put downs. That, um, but you've also got ones where people actually assume that you know I have something to prove. I I know best. I'm always right. Yeah. Um, and these beliefs uh, that that also can get in the way. 
so these these were statements of what are wrong beliefs that get in the road for you and mm. i wonder for our listeners if we just give you a second to think what is it that gets it what are your beliefs that get in the way in the road for you it's actually a good question to ponder i reckon mm. are there any statements in here that resonate for you guys um i can't see it in here but i'm i come from a belief that i'm probably not right yeah just another one doubting myself yeah like a, a lot of them resonated in different parts that i can get stuck in um mm. like i've got something to prove uh or i'm not good enough i have to look uh, after myself or sort things out myself yeah uh you know, I worried about judgment from others. Um, you know, God won't come through right at the top on the on the page. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I was so grateful for how honest people were with this. Mm. You know, just how grounded and meant that we're talking about reality. Mm. Um, and, and what that tree diagram shows that. If, if they're our beliefs, then they, those beliefs produce our values and those values produce our actions and that produces our results. Mm. And, and, and what I, it's, what's important to know is uh, they, these are just the wrong beliefs we know of, that we're, yeah. that are, that we're conscious of. Uh, and the whole biblical picture is that Jesus stands as kind of like a plumb line. That's why it's, it's sometimes a bit confronting to come back to his teaching because he... he shows us where we're not quite to plumb, where we're not quite straight. Yeah. And, and, uh, and that's why it's so important to keep coming back and, and allowing ourselves to do the deep work. And that's, so he, he says to the Pharisees, uh, you, you're, you, you're worried about the outside of the cup. You're worried about the, the stuff. You're worried about really the fruit. The presentation. Or, the presentation, but it says first clean the inside of the cup and then the presentation takes care of itself. The the, mm. the outside of the cup gets clean. It's, I mean, it's what he said before that it's not what you put in your mouth that is the issue. It's what comes out of the heart that makes a person unclean. Um, James, oh, sorry. James, hypocrisy go. comes up. Hypocrisy comes up quite a bit in this passage. How, how would you define hypocrisy and how does that relate here? Um I would define hypocrisy as saying one thing but doing another. Mm -hmm. um, walking, uh, talking the talk, but not walking the walk. Mm. And I think, I think at some stage we're all guilty of that. Mm. Just whether it's conscious or um, unconscious, as Matt was referring to. Mm. If it's unconscious, then we have a really shaky base for mm. our belief system. Yeah. At least if we're aware of it, we can do something about it. Mm. Yeah. And in Matthew 18, we talked a lot about giving feedback and keeping each other on the straight and narrow. Um, yeah. A good few podcasts ago. Yeah, and often a hypocrisy that really causes damage to the kingdom is a hypocrisy that where the really those who should know better have expectations on the masses 
but don't follow that behavior themselves. They have two sets of rules, the rules for everyone yeah. else and then the rules for myself. Yeah. Um, and I think because I reckon if if you did a survey in society of, of you know, what some of the main problems with Christianity, uh, hypocrisy would be on that list of the top 10 things. Hmm. Um, yeah. So it's, it's really something interesting for us to take on. Uh, yeah. This, this, I, I think it's healthy for us. When we're not Pharisees and scribes, so Jesus isn't addressing us directly, but what he's saying to them, I think we, we should be listening to. Absolutely. Yeah. That's interesting. He's the one that really coins the term, uses this term for this purpose. Mm. Uh, in Greek, hypocrite just meant an, an actor. Mm. Uh, and he's the one that says, this is, this is why the word hypocrisy is so big in our culture, because of Jesus' use, use of it in and and how it's come into English, uh, that Greek word has come. We've brought it straight across from English into English because uh, of the way he has used this term hypocrisy mm. uh, to to communicate people ha- who are doing things for effect rather than mm. an expression of who they really are. Uh, and, and yeah, yeah, so he he uses the word specifically here. Yeah. Doing things for effect. That this um, how we how we want to present this. Uh, I would call it a facade as well. And mm. an actor is someone who actually portrays something they're not. Um, and so so this creating a mask or a facade or doing things for effect is what Jesus is addressing here. I think unless you want to challenge that a bit. No, so, yeah. So what? And this is hard for us. What facades and masks do we put up? because we want to portray ourselves in a certain light or we want to come across in a certain way, uh, these Pharisees and scribes were spiritually elevating themselves by the way they behaved and putting others down who didn't behave the same way. Hmm. Yeah. And, and I, I wonder what facades we put up. Now, masks and facades are not necessarily, oh, how do we do this bit? They're not necessarily bad in themselves. Like I can't expose all of myself all the time to everyone around me. I have to have some some way of managing myself, managing my behaviour that comes out. But here Jesus is saying, deal with the inside first. Get the source of your behaviour right, and then the behaviour comes right. And, and I, I, I pointed out, I, I don't know if he was intending this, but he says the source of their behaviour was greed and self-indulgence. Hmm. And, and in the paragraph before, he's just said, the kind of faith God's interested in is justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Mm. Like, I think if, the, if your behavior comes from a love of God and a, a commitment to, to acting how he acts, you'll end up acting justly, mercifully, and faithfully. Mm. But the source of behavior for the Pharisees, and what I said was for any immature person, the source of their behavior uh, is greed and self-interest. Mm-hmm. That, that I think, yeah, go, James. Sorry, I was just going to say, I think there's a flavour of authenticity that goes right through this passage. Mm. Yeah. Because um, you might fool all the people, but you won't fool God. Yeah. You'll see the, the true you. That's right. And and this this thing of that interesting the word self indulgence like 
if your behaviour is motivated by self-indulgence, you will be whatever you need to be in order to get the payoff from people you want to get. Yeah. You, you, you'll act how you need to act in order to get the, the result that benefits your ego. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think an immature person who's someone who hasn't yet worked out the world doesn't revolve around them. Like there, there is a, there's a beautiful truth that a toddler expects his mum or or her mum to come whenever they cry. They 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 expect the adults in their lives to revolve around them to meet their needs because they need to. It's not fair to expect a toddler to meet their own needs. Hmm. But if you're still crying in order to get people to meet your needs, then there's something wrong. Uh, you, you mean that, as an adult if we're still crying? As an adult, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it doesn't work, I try. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just do it in different ways. Yes. <laughs> we throw adult tantrums. Yeah, strop. I like a good strop. That's yeah. not what we're talking about here. <laughs> so. no. like, I think it's interesting, G, that the heart of the church is meant to be a place that helps people become mature. Paul says mm. when the church is, when the leadership of the church is doing their job, uh, everybody grows up into him who is the head of Christ in Ephesians 4 and, and yeah. becomes mature. I, 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 this is where I think we've really made a fundamental mistake in what the purpose of church is. We were talking about ecclesiology for amongst the Baptist pastors. I, th- I think the purpose of the church is to help people find their right relationship with God and the world, not to help them feel good about themselves. In fact, I actually think there's a danger. We've cleverly organised church to, to produce Pharisees, uh, people who are wanting to organise church to give them the right sort of sense of comfort and nice spiritual feelings rather than doing the hard work of uh, engaging with the messiness of life uh, on the adventure with Jesus. And that might that, that might be coming across a bit too harsh, but... I think there's elements of truth in that. Mm-hmm. Well, there's, there's always that old um, comment by someone who says, oh, I might try another church. I, I wasn't getting anything out of that one. Hmm. And it's, you know, rephrase the whole thing and say, what can I give? Yeah. Um, and it becomes a different, a different paradigm. Yeah. It's a fundamentally immature position to see church as something that is there to meet your needs. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's really sad. <laughs> We've built yeah. And and if my ego starts to feel threatened from this mindset, then I'll start to protect at all costs and make sure that I don't lose my footing, um, weed out any competition. Yeah. Yeah. And, and self-preservation and greed, like you say. Mm. So how do we deal with this? How do we actually um, face this? I, I know that you've said it a few times in this conversation. Um, I only see the tip of the iceberg of where yeah. I'm doing this, where I'm self-preserving and looking for satisfaction or selfish ambition or greed. 
So yeah. how do we deal with this? Um, actually, before I ask that question, so we've got the, you know, clean the inside of the cup and then the outside will sort itself out. That's, that's the purity. You've also got these tombs that he's talking about of which look absolutely beautiful on the outside. You've made, you've really doled them up so they look gorgeous. And then inside it's just rotten dead bones which are unclean. And to the Hebrew audience, unclean bones are pretty serious. Um, yeah. It's just you don't go there. Um, but they've prettied it up and presented beautifully. So Jesus, this is where you're saying, you brood of vipers. He's just swinging at these guys saying, and, and he, 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 this is one of those things of Jesus and his righteous anger. He's furious at these guys, I would say, or hmm. I think I can use the word furious, because they are blocking people from seeing the kingdom of God. They're following their own ambitions, their own career paths, rather than actually addressing their in, internals and following God wholeheartedly. And I, and I think also there's a deep sadness as he communicates. It's interesting. I I, I realised I had a, a moment as I was preaching on Sunday. As I said, I, I quoted my brother-in-law Dan, and I thought that oh, hang on, everybody knows who Dan is. And so, <laughs> oh yeah, you know the other pastor here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And here goes my ego. Oh, that yeah, that Bible scholar guy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but you've been to. Um, You've been to Jerusalem and you've seen some yeah. of these whitewashed tombs, haven't you? Well, some of the tombs were as big as our house. Yeah, just these beautiful um, big white tombs. Um, rarely white these days, I think. I, I think they don't do that so much anymore. Um, but but as you walk up on the uh, eastern side of Jerusalem, there's the hillside where all the burial grounds are and people are paying over $100,000 for one piece of burial ground. Uh, that's kind of a different topic, I think. But, but well, well, like we will we will actually get into that topic in weeks to come because the okay. very next yeah. chapter, Jesus talks about the end times and what's going yeah, to happen okay. in Jerusalem and stuff. So we're going to yeah. wade where you know the angels fear to tread uh, yeah. in the, in the coming weeks. Yeah, but even in our own, well, I mean, Jesus' point here, it's sort out what's on the inside and don't try and doll it up. Hmm. Um, be authentic, genuine. Is that the opposite to hypocrisy? What do you guys think? What's the opposite to hypocrisy? Integrity. It's authentic know. integrity, yeah. Yeah, it'd be my initial response. Yeah. Yeah. And so our job is to do, Matt, you, you say that quite often, I think, is to deal with the messy stuff in our lives. Hmm. Yeah. What Absolutely. you see is what you get. Yeah. 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 In a controlled way. Not yes, that's right. It all out way. Yeah. Well, that's the thing that, that uh, challenges me because I think a healthy person uh, isn't the same in every group. Paul talks about how uh, to the to the Greeks he became like a Greek, to the Jews he acted like a Jew, became all things to all people, so that by any means he might save some. That that you behave in a way that most appropriately cares for the people you are responding to. So when you're talking to a three-year-old, uh, unless they're Nick Astley, you don't talk about uh, <laughs> theoretical physics. <laughs> but, but but Nick Astley uh, you know, raises questions like qu quarks and quasars. <laughs> and, and Nick, if you're listening, we love it. <laughs> yeah, it is absolutely brilliant. But but it's about choosing your words 
to best communicate and relate to. So, so the Apostle Paul made it clear that he and he went to fight. So he re, a fight that changed the church, so that Gentiles didn't have to act like Jews. Yeah. In fact, that he he actually acted like a Gentile when he's hanging out with the Gentiles. And so I, I think a sign of emotional maturity is that you are able to be your to express yourself differently, and it's still a true expression of who you are. Mm-hmm. But if you're when you're talking to a three year old, and when you're talking to a thirty year old, or yeah. when you're talking to someone from a different culture, it's it's a different side to who you are. It's not it's not fake, yeah. but it is different. Yeah. And there's a way of it still being genuine. Yeah, absolutely. So if, if I'm going to a men's shed and watching an AFL game, I, I will use different language than if I'm presenting to a group a, a, a group of retired women. I will just communicate differently. I'll present differently. Yeah. If I'm mature, it will still be me in both settings. Yes. Yeah. It's and that maybe that's the difference between a facade and just exposing different facets or something. Yeah. yeah. It's not a facade. I don't perform it. It is me. Yep. Yeah, hopefully. There's a lot I don't see, but... Yes. Now, I, I think Jesus goes on and he says, this is how you get past hypocrisy. You listen to the prophets and the teachers and the sages. He says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you people, but the problem is you Pharisees, you kill them all. Yeah. And, and you're putting... You're putting on a big show of, you know, painting their tombs and saying how wonderful they were. But that's just because they're safe and they're dead and you don't have to listen to them anymore. Mm. But there, there are people, you know, there are people who are still coming and here, here Jesus is the ultimate prophet and they're going to kill him. And, and they made a beautiful sepulchre for him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And, and so I... And that's the challenge. I, I, so I think what Jesus is kind of saying in all this, I didn't bring this out like I'd like to, is you can't not be a hypocrite on your own. Okay, say that again. That's too much for me. You can't not be a hypocrite on your own because there are things, there are lies you believe that you need prophets and sages and teachers to help you see. You need community. You need relationship. Uh, and there are just blindnesses you have. And it's and it's painful. It's painful to face your blind spots. It can be at least. Sometimes it can be liberating. Um, but Jesus is saying, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you prophets and sages and teachers. Prophets are people who speak God's word for this moment. Sages are people who bring God's wisdom to bear to, on any particular question. And, and the teachers are the people who help you have the framework so you can navigate life for yourself. Mm. They, they're the, the, the people who um, yeah, give you the, the, the map. So the other two bring the map for you. The, the teachers help. And Jesus saying you need all those three kinds of people in, in your life. Mm. You know people who speak truth. But let's be honest, he says, you're going to kill them. You don't, you don't want to hear them. And, and Matt, you talked about the civil rights movement in America at this point. Do you want to share that story a little bit? Yeah, well, it, was, it really was. I, I really encourage people, if they're on Right Now Media, 
look up MLK50. And if you're not, uh, just go to citywidehobart.org.au slash right now. Sign up for free. It's our gift to you. And there's uh, John Perkins, who was a, a good friend of Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, and has been through all kinds of stuff. Came to faith as a 27-year-old when his son uh, heard uh, went to a Sunday school and heard the song Jesus Loves All the Children, All the Children of the World, Red and Yellow, Black and White, They're Precious in His Sight. Uh, and he said, "I, growing up, I think it was in Mississippi, I'd never heard those words before, mm. which is profound. Like that's the fact that he'd not heard that song before, which is a Sunday school staple in the 70s and 60s, is mm. a bit disturbing. Uh, but that changed his life, that, G- that God loves all of us, no matter what colour our skin is. Uh, and he went back and he set up a youth ministry. I'm pretty sure it was Mississippi or Alabama, one of those places that back in the 60s where doing so as a young black leader was a health hazard, literally. Uh, and But now as a 90-year-old, he gets up, in front of uh, a room full of mostly white uh, reformed Christians uh, and he just he stands up with this incredible moral authority they're standing up they're there celebrating the the 50th anniversary I think it's the 50th anniversary of Martin Luther King's death I think that's what they're they're commemorating not celebrating um, and but he is the living embodiment of some of Martin Luther King's message. And he, and he just stands up and he, and he lets them have it. These people who have very neat and tidy theology, he says, you know, there, there is hope in our gospel, but we put a hole in our gospel because we think you can love God without loving our neighbours. Mm. He, says, he says something, because most of them are reformed. He says... Uh, Christianity is an action. <laughs> it's what you do. And, and one of the next speakers was going to be John Piper, who's you know about as far towards the reform side of things as you can get. But 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 so for him to stand up and say you can't divorce your Christianity from your actions, uh, and and I I imagine he, he basically lets them have it for half an hour. It's just beautiful. It's love. It's just there's something beautiful about sitting under somebody who has that kind of moral authority, mm. uh, but it's also incredibly uncomfortable because he's saying he's pointing his finger at a lot of the blind spots, a lot of the painful points, uh, and and saying things that people's neat and tidy theology doesn't quite, you know, fit. Mm. Uh, and and I think that was the picture for me at the same moment as they're commemorating Martin Luther King, who also. He was on the, the CIA's most, you know, he was on a watch list. They really didn't like him. They saw him as a bit of a public enemy. J. Edgar Hoover had all kinds of files on Martin Luther King. And, they, and there's some question about his assassination and what role the CIA may or may not have had in all that. I won't get into that. But, but, but you see, that's the level at which uh, some people saw Martin Luther King, the, the, their discomfort with him. And, and I, I was just trying to contrast that it's safe to, to talk about prophets from a distance when they're not looking you in the eyes and saying, you've got to face this stuff. Yeah, because if I'm looking back, uh, one of my heroes is Martin Luther King Jr. L- I love what he did, what he achieved. 
but this this new guy, what was his name? Sorry, John Perkins. John Perkins. So the old guy, John Perkins, who was there. Then he's saying, yeah. "You're still doing it. We're still fighting yeah. for our lives. We're we're still filling up your prisons and stuff. You're still doing it." And, um, yes. That's the hypocrisy Jesus is talking about. You killed the your forefathers killed the prophets, and you're still doing it. And um, and, and like he he also stands up. We black people, <laughs> we 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 black people like any uh, who are talking about Black Lives Matter. We're still that's we're talking about race. You know what are we doing? <laughs> like, yeah. Which is like no white person could even say what he said and. And, but he has this moral authority where he takes on everybody and, and misses the whole point. Like, and, mm. well, well, and, and misses the point of what it means to be politically correct and just takes everybody on and says, this is what truth is. Mm. And that's why I, we need more prophets, but they're, they're uncomfortable people to have around because they keep mm. pointing out where we don't get it right. Yeah. And that's why yeah. we keep killing them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't like that. I'm laughing, but it's not funny at all. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Because they threaten our status quo, our current plan of trajectory. Yeah. It, it is interesting that Paul says that all church need all churches need apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Mm. And we've managed to get rid of the first three. We, we keep the we keep the pastors and teachers around. But we don't have a whole lot of apostles. We don't, and we're talking about a pro, what we do with the prophets and and evangelists can be a bit of a pain too. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll bring an evangelist in from time to time. But I, I, I think it is important for us to recognise we need people to tell us the truth, hmm. and, and that's true personally. You need the prophets in your own life, the people who look you in the eyes and tell you that hmm. God's truth. You need teachers yeah. and you need sages. Um, people who you look to for mentoring and stuff, but I, I, I think we need it in the church. We need it in our country. Uh, mm. We need we need these people, and you mm. can't do it on your own. Yeah. 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 One of the things uh, I'm trying to just there's something I want to share, but I, it keeps slipping my mind, <laughs> so I keep coming back to it. Uh, but I don't think I'm going to find it just by rattling on and talking. I'll, I'll, when it comes up, I'm just going to interrupt whoever's talking. Then I'll come out. Yeah, go for it. I know, James. How are you processing all this? Um, processing what? <laughs> it's um, yeah, it's. I think, um, apart from Matthew 18, I think this is probably the most confronting part of Matthew because it says um, you need to have a long, hard look at yourself hmm. and see what you're basing things on because, you know, the odds are that you're basing them on the wrong thing, hmm. Um, hmm. which is interesting when you're in your 60s because you're thinking, should have worked it out by now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But this passage is still telling me that I've got a false base. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, to otherwise, work it speak to me. Yeah. yeah. But the thing which, that I have been thinking is I love in this passage, it encourages us not to do it in our own strength, 
first come back to me i I feel like god saying come to me i love you you're okay come and dwell with me be in this place with me and then Mm. we'll sort the stuff out he's not just asking me to control my behavior which could can be really hard and there are things i'm trying to sort through that i've been trying to sort through for 20 years you know that trying to control my behavior i'm so glad he doesn't start there and say control your behavior get everything right and then come to me once you're sorted he's doing it the other way around yeah just come and be with me and my spirit my holy spirit will leave you and give you the power to work through this stuff and Mm. to to spot the things um and matt like you say also to be in fellowship with people around who can challenge us and say, oh, yeah. I notice how you think there, or you've, you've seen or believe something funny in that bit, or have you noticed what your actions looking like from the outside? Yeah, but yeah, drawing absolutely. close to God and then doing it from there. That, I think that's what I get out of this teacup thing. Of just get the insides, get, like live live in the presence of God and His yes. power. Yeah, mm. but it's all it's all pointing back to us, even the the speck in your brother's eye points mm. back to us and says, sort out, sort yeah. out yourself first yeah, and then worry about your brother. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm thinking we'll finish up here for today. Is there anything you want, guys want to add in? Well, I think Jesus just ends the, the passage by, by just this cry over Jerusalem about, you know, I wish I'd been able to gather you like a hen gathers the chickens. And and this promise, and this is where we will get to in the coming weeks, and I'm preparing myself because we're sort of stepping in controversial territory, but shouldn't be controversial. But it is, um, as we talk about the end times and Jesus coming back. And he, he that's how he lands this whole challenge of the Pharisees, saying you're not going to see me till you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He's saying there is going to be a moment where the penny drops and you go, ah, oh, oh, okay. This is who you are. This is what's truth. And there's going to be a time where everything makes sense. Um, yeah. But but we we live in this in between time between the victory being won on the cross and this and Jesus coming back, and that's that's the hope for us. Yeah, we yeah we we, we live in a painful in between time where we don't have all the answers and and we can all of us can be hypocrites. Jesus calls us out to gradually grow and face our stuff, but there's always this promise that it, mm. we're gonna that He's coming back and it's gonna be great. Yeah, yeah, great. Well, we'll finish up there. Thanks, Matt. It's a nice place to finish. Look forward to hearing that. Yeah. So, mm. thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us again. Please keep comments coming at the bottom of this podcast wherever you find it, and. Um, yeah, we'd love to hear this discussion going on. Let's... I'm not exactly sure what Dan did then, but he just disappeared. He's gone. Yeah, it's like he. So, so James and I will finish up the podcast, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we will see you later on. <laughs>